You're listening to the Bank of Marquis Movie Podcast. I come from Earth, a planet of outlaws. My name is Peter Quill. There's one other name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys? Forget it. So here we are. A thief. Two thugs. An assassin and a maniac. But we're not gonna stand by as evil wipes out the galaxy. I guess we're stuck together. Partners. Are you telling me the fate of 12 billion people is in the hands of these criminals? Oh, yeah. Lifespan, anyway. I'm rude. Ain't no thing like me except me. They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. This might not be the best idea. And that, of course, is the trailer to the 2014 sci-fi action-adventure comic book film Guardians of the Galaxy, the 10th film of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Hi, this is Andy, and I like movies. All kinds of movies. Movies from old Hollywood, that's the movies from 1968 and before. Movies from new Hollywood, those are the movies from 1968 until 2000. And movies from modern Hollywood. That's the films from 2000 till today. And today we are talking about a modern Hollywood film, Guardians of the Galaxy, the fourth chapter of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's directed by James Gunn, who also wrote the screenplay with Nicole Perlman. And it features an ensemble cast, including Chris Pratt, Zoe Saldana, Dave Bautista, Vin Diesel, Bradley Cooper, Lee Pace, Michael Rooker, Karen Gillan, Dimon Huntsu, John C. Riley, Glenn Close, and Benicio Del Toro. And its intent was to bring cosmic characters into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Now, Perlman began working on the screenplay in 2009, and producer Kevin Feige first publicly mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy as a potential film in 2010. Gunn was hired to write and direct the film, and in February 2013, Pratt was hired to play Peter Quill, and the subsequent supporting casts were added. Principal photography began on July 2013 at Shepperton Studios in England and wrapped in October 2013. 
Now, writer-director James Gunn wanted to create a bright and colorful space opera that reminded him of the fun movies he watched as a kid, like the first three Star Wars films, before a lot of the color was taken out of space films. Now, this film is based on the comics Guardians of the Galaxy, which was first published in January of 1969 with a different team. Star-Lord first appeared in Marvel Preview in January of 76, Rocket Raccoon appeared in Marvel Preview number 7 in the summer of 76. Gamora first appeared in Strange Tales number 180 in June of 75. Drax the Destroyer appeared in Iron Man number 55 in February of 73. And Groot appeared in Tales to Astonish number 13 in November 1960. Now this film is one that really sets up Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. Now, James Gunn originally did not like Chris Pratt for the role of Peter Quill because he thought of him as that chubby guy from the TV series Parks and Rec. He was convinced by casting director Sarah Finn to let him audition, and it worked out well. After Pratt read for 30 seconds, Gunn stated that he knew Pratt was perfect for the role, even if Pratt didn't lose weight or get in shape. However, Pratt asked Gunn to give him six months to lose 50 pounds, and he went on a very strict training regimen and dropped 60 pounds eventually getting a six-pack for his shirtless scenes. Now, Jason Momoa auditioned for the role of Drax the Destroyer, but reportedly turned the role down because he didn't want to be pigeonholed as a brute by the audience, having already played several action roles. Now, Kevin Feige and James Gunn have since gone on the record to confirm that the only actor they ever offered the role to was Dave Bautista. Gal Gadot revealed that she was up for the role of Nebula before it went to Karen Gillan. Now, that worked out well for all involved, for Gillan is terrific as Nebula, and Gadot was subsequently cast as Wonder Woman. The role of Yandu was actually written with Michael Rooker in mind. Olivia Wilde turned down the role of Gamora, while Gina Carano, Rachel Nichols, and Adrian Palicki auditioned for it. A myriad of people were seen for the role of Star-Lord, including Joel Edgerton, Eddie Redmayne, Jensen Ackles, Lee Pace, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, James Marsden, and John Krasinski. Peyton Reed was considered to direct this film, but he was later chosen to direct Ant-Man. Ryan Fleck and Adam Bowden were considered to direct this film, and they would later go on to direct Captain Marvel. Get on with it! Yes! Get on with it! We open on Earth 1988. A young boy is listening to tunes on his Walkman. In this case, some hollow notes. We pan out to see that this young boy is in a hospital waiting room. This is young Peter Quill, and his mother is quite ill, on her deathbed actually. Your mama wants to speak with you. His mother gives him a present that is put in his backpack. At least until your daddy comes back to get you. Peter's mom passes. Peter runs out of the hospital, distressed, and is beamed aboard a spaceship. The credits roll. We then jump to 26 years later on the abandoned planet of Morag.
A masked figure makes his way across a desolate landscape, clearly looking for something. This is now the older Peter Quill, Chris Pratt, and he is a scavenger, a thief. Quill enters a sealed compartment and steals an orb, and is stopped by other thieves who want to steal what Quill has just stolen. Drop it. Uh, hey. The thieves ask. How do you know about this? I don't even know what that is. I'm just a junker, man. I was just, just checking stuff out. Quill reveals his secret identity. Stop poking me. What is your name? My name is Peter Quill, okay? Dude, chill out. Move! Why? Hey, you know what? There's another name you might know me by. Star-Lord. Who? Well, Star-Lord, man. Legendary outlaw. Guys? Move! So while Quill, Star-Lord, outwits these other thieves and escapes from the orb, let's talk about Peter Quill. I mean, Star-Lord himself, Chris Pratt. Christopher Michael Pratt was born on June 21st, 1979 in Virginia, Minnesota and moved to Lake Stevens, Washington when he was seven. He was a shot putter in high school and placed fifth in a high school state wrestling tournament. Pratt dropped out of community college halfway through the first semester and after working as a discount ticket salesman and a daytime stripper, he ended up homeless in Maui. It's a pretty awesome place to be homeless, Pratt would say. At the age of 19, Pratt was waiting tables at the Bubba Gump Shrimp Company restaurant in Maui when he was discovered by actress and director Ray Don Chong, who is the daughter of Tommy Chong of Cheech and Chong fame. She cast him in her directorial debut, the short horror film Cursed Part 3. From there, Pratt earned a regular television role on the series Everwood. After Everwood's cancellation, he joined the cast of The O.C. and had a blink-or-you'll-miss-it appearance in the 2008 action film Wanted. In 2009, Pratt began playing Andy Dwyer on the ABC comedy series Parks and Recreation. Originally meant to be just a temporary character, producers liked Pratt so much they asked him to become a series regular. And this, of course, turned out to be his breakthrough role. He would cross over to film, first portraying Oakland A's first baseman catcher Scott Hatterberg in the 2011 film Moneyball, and then appeared in the film Ten Years, then played a Navy SEAL in Zero Dark Thirty and would play the co-worker of Joaquin Phoenix's character in Spike Jonze's sci-fi romance, Her, in December 2013. But it was in 2014 that Pratt became an international superstar, first for playing Emmett Burkowski in the Lego movie, and then Peter Quill Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. From Guardians, Pratt was cast as Owen Grady in the Jurassic Park sequel, Jurassic World and his status as an A-list celebrity was cemented. His next film role was as Josh Faraday, a gambler in The Magnificent Seven, the remake of the 1960 Western. He then was in the sci-fi film Passengers opposite Jennifer Lawrence, a film that, gosh, I had such high hopes for, and it's awful. He would reprise his role as Peter Quill, Star-Lord, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and then would play Peter Quill again in Avengers Infinity War in 2018 and Avengers Endgame in 2019. He would also reprise his role of Emmett in the Lego Movie 2 and would voice the character of Barley Lightfoot opposite Tom Holland as his brother Ian in the Disney Pixar film Onward. He would play Dan Forrester in the straight-to-streaming The Tomorrow War 
would reprise his role as Owen Grady in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom and again in Jurassic World Dominion in 2022, would play Star-Lord in Thor Love and Thunder, as well as the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 that came out in 2023. He would do the straight-to-streaming The Terminalist series on Amazon in 2022. He would voice Mario in the Super Mario Brothers movie in 2023. It has one, two, three, four projects lined up, including playing the voice of the lasagna-loving cat Garfield and Duncan in Cowboy Ninja Viking. You're the only one I've been soft on. Now, don't you worry about Mr. Quill. As soon as we get him back here, I'm going to kill him myself. Quill is being chased by the Ravagers, led by Yandu, Michael Rooker, and Ronan the Accuser, Lee Pace, who also wants this orb. Ronan is aided by the two daughters of Thanos, Nebula, Karen Gillan, and Gamora, Zoe Saldana. Gamora is tasked with retrieving the orb from Quill on the planet Xandar. Xandarians, what a bunch of losers. Now this is the voice of Rocket Raccoon, voiced by Bradley Cooper, who is on Xandar with his friend and bodyguard Groot, voiced by Vin Diesel. Look at Mr. Smiles over here. Where's your wife, old man? What a class A prefer. Of course, Mr. Smiles is played in his cameo by good old Stan Lee. Whoop. Looks like we got one. Rocket and Groot try to capture Quill for the bounty on his head. How bad does someone want to find you? 40,000 units? We're going to be rich. So while Quill fights Rocket and Groot, as well as Gamora, in a fun action scene, let's talk about the actress who plays Gamora, Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana has the distinction of starring in four of the top six highest grossing motion pictures of all time. She was born on June 19, 1978 in Passaic, New Jersey, and grew up in a bilingual household in Jackson Heights, Queens, New York City. Her father died in a vehicle crash when Saldana was nine years old, and her mother sent Zoe and her two sisters to the Dominican Republic to be raised by their late father's family. Saldana discovered her love of dance while living in the Dominican Republic and returned to New York City after her sophomore year in high school, where she started performing with the Faces Theater Group in Brooklyn. She would perform with the New York Youth Theater, and her appearance in a production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat led a talent agency to recruit her. Her dance training and acting experience helped her land her first film role, playing ballet student Eva Rodriguez in Center Stage, and had a co-lead in the film Crossroads opposite Britney Spears. She appeared in Drumline, and then surprisingly was Anna Maria in Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. But she had such a bad time in the production of that film that she opted to not return to the sequels. She did an episode of Law & Order Special Victims Unit, as well as the film The Terminal, starring Tom Hanks, and then was in the film Haven, Temptation, Constellation, Guess Who, Dirty Deeds, Premium, Six Degrees, Blackout, Vantage Point, and The Skeptic, before bursting onto the scene in 2009, playing Uhura in the remake of Star Trek, starring Chris Pine, as well as starring in the James Cameron film, Avatar. After those two films, she was set as a major film star and did the films Death at a Funeral, The Losers, which is a fun action flick, by the way, Colombiana, 
in 2011, which is a very good action film as well. Star Trek Into Darkness in 2013, Blood Ties, Out of the Furnace. She played Rosemary in a TV miniseries remake of Rosemary's Baby in 2014, before starring as Gamora in Guardians of the Galaxy. She would lend her voice to the role of Maria in The Book of Life, a very underrated animated film. We play Nina Simone in Nina in 2016, reprise her role as Uhura in Star Trek Beyond was in the Ben Affleck gangster misfire Live by Night in 2016, before returning to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in 2017, and of course Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame in 18 and 19. Also in 19, she lent her voice to the very fun animated film Missing Link. She was in the Damien Chazelle misfire Amsterdam opposite John David Washington, Margot Robbie, and Christian Bale in 2022. She appeared in the sequel Avatar The Way of Water in 2022, as well as the sequel Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And in 2023, she had the lead role in Special Ops Linus, which is a very good action TV series, which aired on, I believe, Amazon. Currently, she's lined up for six projects, three of which are Avatar sequels as well as a rumored Star Trek sequel. Drop your weapon. Oh, By the authority of the Nova Corps, you are under arrest. Right, come on up. Hey, this isn't Star Prince. Star Lord. Oh, sorry, Lord. I picked this guy up a while back for petty thefts. He's got a code name. <laughs> Star-Lord, Gamora, Groot, and Rocket are captured by the police on Xandar, the Nova Corps, led by John C. Riley, in an extended cameo. Peter Jason Quill from Terra, raised from youth by a band of mercenaries called the Ravagers, led by Yandu Udanta. What a bunch of a-holes. Transport all four to the kiln. They are all sent to the high security prison, the kiln. I wasn't retrieving the orb for Ronin. I was betraying him. Quill notices that someone has his Walkman. Hey! Listen to me, you big blue bastard. Take those headphones off. That's mine. Those belong in Impound, that tape, and that player is mine! The quartet is put into the general prison population, who all seem to be angry at Gamora. Like I said, she's got a rep. Quill is protected by Rocket and Groot. Check out the new meat. I'm gonna slather you up in Navi and Jelly. <laughs> Go to town. Let's make something clear. This one here's our booty. You wanna get them, you go through us. Gamora is protected by another of the prison inmates, for a reason all his own. You know who I am, yes? They're Drax. The Destroyer. Well, you know why they call me this. You've slayed dozens of Ronin's minions. Ronin murdered my wife, Ovet. And my daughter, Camaria. He slaughtered them where they stood. And he laughed! Well. Drax is played by Dave Bautista. Listen, I could care less whether you live or whether you die. Then why stop the big guy? Simple. You know where to sell my orb. So while Drax, Gamora, Rocket, Groot, and Quill escape the prison, 
let's talk about former WWE wrestler Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista was born in Washington, D.C. on January 18, 1969, and in his words, had a rough childhood, saying that he lived in poverty, and by the age of as young as 13, he was stealing cars. By 17, he was estranged from his parents and living on his own. He was a nightclub bouncer until he was arrested after a fight that left two patrons injured. After a trial, he was sentenced to one year of probation. He started working as a lifeguard before pursuing a career in bodybuilding, which he credits to saving his life. Bautista tried out at the World Championship Wrestling WCW power plant, but was told he would never make it in the wrestling business. He then went to the rival WWF, and he made his debut on October 30th, 1999. He would quickly move up the ranks, becoming a member of Evolution with Triple H, Ric Flair, and Randy Orton. He became World Heavyweight Champion in 2005, a title which he held until 2008, and then started dabbling in acting. He would have small roles in TV series like Smallville and Neighbors, as well as roles as muscle-toned bad guys in movies like The Scorpion King 3, The Man with the Iron Fists, Riddick, and L.A. Slasher. In 2014, he won the role of Drax in Guardians of the Galaxy, and he would spend most of his time acting and away from wrestling ever since. He was the bad guy henchman Hinks in the James Bond film Spectre in 2015, Jason Cox in the Robert De Niro action crime drama Heist in 2015, did Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in 2017, was very good as Sapper Morton in Blade Runner 2049 in 2017, and was interesting in the interesting but not quite successful quirky action film Hotel Artemis in 2018. In 18 and 19, he of course appeared in Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, as well as C-level flicks like Escape Plan 2, Hades, and Final Score. In 2019, he was in the comedy Stuber, which I liked, even though it got really bad reviews. He played J.J. in My Spy in 2020. Again, fairly fun action comedy. He was Scott Ward in Army of the Dead, a straight-to-Netflix zombie flick in 2021, and was one of the bad guys, one of the Harkonnens in Dune in 2021. He played Ido Voss in C and did a quick cameo in the prequel to Army of the Dead, Army of Thieves in 2021. He would reprise his role of Drax a few more times in Thor Love and Thunder, the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, where he said he would no longer play Drax after that. He was Duke Cody in the murder mystery Glass Onion in 2022, and Leonard in the not-quite-successful M. Night Shyamalan Knock at the Cabin in 2023. Currently, he's got seven projects listed, including Part 2 of Dune and Army of the Dead Lost Vegas, which both should be coming out in the next year or so. This one shows spirit. She'll make a keen ally in the battle against Roman. Companion, what were you retrieving? You're an imbecile. Now that the ragtag group of heroes that will eventually become the Guardians of the Galaxy have all escaped the prison, let's take us 
and intermission. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Settle back now, content, comfortable, well-fed, and ready for some fine entertainment. Is everybody happy? Then let's go. It's showtime. This one shows spirit. She'll make a keen ally in the battle against Roman. Companion, what were you retrieving? You're an imbecile. And we're back. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yo, Ranger Rick, what are you doing? You can't take apart my ship without asking me. See, what is this? Don't touch that. The Guardians head to nowhere to sell the artifact pursued by Ronan and Nebula. Put it down, you fool. You'll destroy us all. Or just you, murderous. I let you live once, princess. I am not a princess. Hey, nobody is killing anybody on my ship. In the meantime, Yandu and the Ravagers are also looking for the artifact and Quill. But first you're gonna tell me what this orb is and why everybody cares so damn much about it. And then you're gonna tell me who out there might wanna buy it. Sir, the high-end community is... The high-end community is a very tight... I cannot possibly betray the confidentiality of my buyers. So while all these entities head towards a collision course at nowhere, let's talk about the creative genius behind this film, the director, James Gunn. James Francis Gunn Jr. was born on August 5th, 1966 in St. Louis, Missouri. He attended St. Louis University High, a college preparatory school, but later dropped out of college to pursue a rock and roll career. His band, The Icons, released one album, for which he earned very little money. So he got a job as an orderly in Tucson, Arizona. In his spare time, he wrote and drew comic strips for underground and college newspapers. Gunn eventually returned to school and received his BA, and then moved to New York, where he received an MFA in creative writing from Columbia University, which he today thinks may have been a wonderfully expensive waste of time. But while finishing his MFA, he began working for Troma Studios, America's leading B-movie production company, where he wrote and produced the cult classic Tromeo and Juliet. In 1997, after what he called a spiritual awakening, Gunn quit Troma and relocated from New York to Los Angeles. He wrote and acted in the film The Specials with Rob Lowe, and then wrote two scripts for Warner Brothers, Spy vs. Spy and Scooby-Doo, in 2004, he wrote the screenplays for the remake of Dawn of the Dead and the sequel, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. With these films, Gunn became the first screenwriter to have two films top the box office in consecutive weeks. In 2006, he made his directorial debut with the horror comedy, Slither. Next up was the action comedy Super, and then he was tapped by Marvel Studios to write and direct Guardians of the Galaxy, 
in 2014. He wrote and produced the horror film The Belko Experiment in 2017, as well as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. In 2021, he would head over to DC Studios to do The Suicide Squad and The Peacemaker TV series, but would come back to Marvel for the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special as well as Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. In 2022, Gunn and Peter Saffron were named head of DC Studios, and he now spends his time reinventing the DCEU as well as putting the finishing touches of his script on his young Superman film called Superman Legacy, scheduled to come out in 2025. Man, you wouldn't believe what they charge for fuel out here. I might actually lose money on this job. My connection is making us wait. It's just a negotiation tactic. Trust me, this is my specialty. Where yours is more... Stab, stab, those are right. The Guardians try to sell the artifact, which turns out to be one of the Infinity Stones, to the Collector, Benicio del Toro. The Collector gives some needed exposition regarding the Infinity Stones, items that will be the MacGuffin of the next few Marvel films. Oh, my new friends. Before creation itself, there were six singularities. Then the universe exploded into existence, and the remnants of these systems were forged into concentrated ingots. Infinity Stone. So while the Collector talks about the Infinity Stones, let's talk about the Collector, Benicio del Toro. Benicio Montserrat Rafael de Toro Sanchez was born on February 19, 1967 in San Germán, Puerto Rico. His mother died when he was young and his father moved the family to a farm in Pennsylvania. A basketball player with an interest in acting, he decided to follow the family way and study business at the University of California, San Diego. An acting class resulted in him being bitten by the acting bug and he dropped out and began studying with legendary acting teacher Stella Adler in Los Angeles and at the Circle in the Square Acting School in New York City. Small parts would follow, mainly as bad guy and drug dealers, in TV shows like Miami Vice, Private Eye, and O'Hara. But in 1988, he played Duke the Dog-Faced Boy in Big Top Pee-wee, following that up in 1989 as Dario, one of the main henchmen in the Timothy Dalton, James Bond film, Licensed to Kill. He played Miguel in The Indian Runner in 1991, was in Christopher Columbus, The Discovery in 92, Money for Nothing in 93, Fearless in 93, China Moon and Swimming with the Sharks in 94, before making it big as Fenster in the action crime film, the Usual Suspects, and what a wonderful movie that is, and what a wonderful performance Del Toro gave in that film, which really put him on the map. Next up, he was in the art house film Basket, then played Juan Primo in The Fan. He was Detective Lopez in Joyride in 1997, Dr. Gonzo in Fear and Loathing in Los Angeles in 98, opposite Johnny Depp. Frankie Fourfingers in the Guy Ritchie action flick Snatch in 2000, Harold Longbow in The Way of the Gun in 2000, and then was Javier Rodriguez in the terrific ensemble film Traffic in 2000. And for his work in that film, Del Toro would receive the Best Supporting Actor Oscar 
Next up was The Pledge, directed by Sean Penn and starring Jack Nicholson. The Hunted in 2003, as well as 21 Grams, where he would be nominated for Best Supporting Actor again. Sin City in 2005, Things We Lost in the Fire in 2007, played Shea Guevara in Shea Part 1 and Part 2 in 2008, played Lawrence Talbot, The Wolfman, in a very bad remake of The Wolfman, Lotto in Savages, which is, I thought, a very good Oliver Stone-directed drug lord movie. He would make his first appearance as the collector in a post-credit scene in Thor The Dark World, and then obviously would reprise it here in Guardians of the Galaxy. He would play Pablo Escobar in Escobar Paradise Lost, a not very good film, as well as Inherent Vice, another film that should have been good, but wasn't. A film that was very good was Sicario in 2015, where he played Alejandro. He was in a Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi. Then came back to play the Collector in Avengers Infinity War, and would reprise his role of Alejandro in Sicario, Day of the Soldado. He was Richard Matt in the TV miniseries Escape to Danamora in 2018 was the voice of Swiper in the live-action Dora and the Lost City of Gold, would play Ronald Russo in the not-very-good detective drama No Sudden Move, would do a Wes Anderson film, The French Dispatch, in 2021, and was Tom Nichols in Reptile in 2023. Currently, he's got two projects lined up. No! Ronan and Nebula, Yondu and the Ravagers, and the Guardians of the Galaxy clash on nowhere, each trying to get the Infinity Stone, which turns out to be the Power Stone, that currently sits in Quill's possession. The stone is in the furthest pod. And it's a pretty good action sequence directed by Gunn. Nebula gets the Power Stone. You are a disappointment, sister. Out of all our siblings. I hated you least. Nebula, please. If Ronan gets this stone, he'll kill us all. Not all. You will already be dead. It appears that Gamora was killed by her sister and her inert body is floating in space. Yondu! Yondu, this is Quill. My coordinates are two, two, seven, eight, three, two, four. Quill, what are you doing? Just outside nowhere. If you're there, come get me. I'm all yours. Quill sacrifices himself to save Gamora. Quill, don't be ridiculous. Get back into your pod. You can't fit two people in there. You're going to die. You'll die in seconds! Quill. Quill and Gamora are saved, captured, by Yandu. Objectively? Where's the orb? It's... well, they got the orb. What? Welcome home, Peter. All right, so let's hurry on off to the end of this film. This ragtag group of mercenaries must come together... None of this ever would have happened if you didn't try to single-handedly take on a freaking army! You're right. I was a fool. 
to save the people of Xandar from Ronin and the Power Stone. Ronin has something called an Infinity Stone. I know where he's got, girl. Then you know we must get it back. He's gonna use it to wipe out Xandar. We have to warn them. Billions of people will perish. They have a plan. Kind of. I have a plan. You've got a plan. Yes. First of all, you're copying me from when I said I had a plan. No, I'm not. People say that all the time. It's not that unique of a thing to say. Secondly, I don't even believe you have a plan. I have part of a plan. What percentage of a plan do you have? You don't get to ask questions after the nonsense you pulled on Nowhere. I just saved Quill. We've already established that you destroying the ship that I'm on is not saving me. When did we establish? Like three seconds ago! No, I wasn't listening. I was thinking of something else. Oh. Quill pulls the group together. I look around at us. You know what I see? Losers. I mean, like, folks who have lost stuff. And we have, man, we have, all of us. Our homes. Our families. Normal lives. And usually life takes more than it gives, but not today. Today it's given us something. It has given us a chance. To do what? to give a shit for once, not run away. They have become Now I'm standing, y'all happy? We're all standing up now. Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. The Guardians of the Galaxy. This is a terrible plan. Hey, you're the one who said you wanted to die among friends. The head of Xandar security warns the head of Xandar, Nova Prime, playing close incredibly in uh, in an extended cameo of her own. Nova Prime, I received a transmission from one of the Ravagers. He says Ronan's in possession of something called an Infinity Stone, and he's headed towards Xandar. Good God. It's a trick. He's a criminal. Did he say why we should believe him? He said his crew just escaped from prison, so we'd have no other reason to risk coming to Xandar to help. He says that he's an a-hole, but he's not, and I'm quoting him here, 100% a dick. Do you believe him? Well, I don't know that I believe anyone's 100% a dick, man. I mean, do you believe that he's here to help? Yeah. The Guardians and friends attack Ronan's ship. Fleet approaches. They appear to be ravagers. We now get a very good air-land action battle scene. It's a 20-minute battle scene that is expertly directed by Gunn with the battle, actions, and intentions of all extremely clear. In like every good film, all of the members of the Guardians of the Galaxy have a hero moment, with fan-favorite Groot giving his life for the team. No, Groot. You can't. You'll die. Why are you doing this? Why? We are...
It then all comes down to a one-on-one -on -one fight between Quill and Ronan. You killed Groot! Behold! Your guardians of the galaxy! What fruit have they wrought? Only that my father and his father shall finally know vengeance. Quill challenges Ronan to... Child things will get brighter. Listen to these words. A dance-off? What are you doing? Dance-off, bro. Me and you. Because? What are you doing? I'm distracting you, you big turd blossom. Quill grabs the power stone from Ronan. The power should kill Quill. But it doesn't as all of the Guardians of the Galaxy join together. Take my hand, And together, the Guardians defeat Ronan. You're mortal! How? Said it yourself, bitch. We're the Guardians of the Galaxy. Ronin has been defeated, Xandar has been saved, but Quill ain't out of the woods yet. Well, 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 quite the light show. <laughs> ain't this sweet? But you got some business to attend to before all the nookie nookie starts. Quill gives the orb that holds the power stone to Yondu. <sighs> Yondu. Do not open that orb. You know that, right? You've seen what it does to people. But of course. Yeah, Quill turned out okay. Probably good we didn't deliver him to his dad like we desired to do. Yeah, that guy was a jackass. He's gonna be so pissed when he realizes I switched out the orb on him. Now, Peter discovers some news about himself that just might explain how he survived holding the Power Stone. Why would you even know this? When we arrested you, we noticed an anomaly in your nervous system, so we had it checked out. I'm not Terran? You're half Terran. Your mother was of Earth. Your father, well, he's something very ancient we've never seen here before. That could be why you were able to hold a stone for as long as you did. Peter finally opens the present his mother gave him on her deathbed at the beginning of the movie. You are the light of my life. My precious son. My little star lord. Love, mom. The guardians of the galaxy fly off to their next adventure with a piece of Groot growing in a pot. What should we do next? Something good? Something bad? A bit of both? The end. We'll follow your lead, Star-Lord. Except, of course, for the end credits scene. And there are two of them in this Marvel movie. The first one has Groot growing in his pot and dancing to the Jackson 5. The second one, at the end of the credits, has the Collector, remember him? 
sitting in the ruins of his shop with Pluto the Space Dog and Howard the Duck. What do you let it lick you like that for? Gross. Yeah, burn's going down. Postscript. Guardians of the Galaxy premiered at the Dolby Theater in Hollywood on July 21st, 2014, and was theatrically released in the United States on August 1st. It was a critical and commercial success, grossing $773.3 million worldwide and became the third highest grossing film of 2014. It was praised for its screenplay, direction, acting, humor, soundtrack, visual effects, and action sequence. It was nominated for two Oscars, Makeup and Visual Effects, and received numerous other accolades. To this day, two sequels have been released, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in 2017 and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in 2023. It was the first Marvel movie not to feature Iron Man to cross the $300 million threshold. The film featured 2,750 visual effects shots, which makes up approximately 90% of the film. Bradley Cooper credited the role of Tommy DeVito, Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas, for the voice of Rocket and told Howard Stern that he was paid more for voicing Rocket in this movie than for starring in Silver Linings Playbook and The Hangover combined. When Dave Bautista found out he got the role of Drax the Destroyer, he broke down in tears, overjoyed at getting a Marvel comic book role. He prepared for the role with an acting coach. Vin Diesel recorded all of his lines in several different languages, including Russian, Mandarin, Spanish, Portuguese, German, and French, so they could use his real voice in the film around the world. He stated that he recorded the line, I am Groot, over 1,000 times. Now, according to Vin Diesel, his performance as Groot helped him through a dark time in his life. He was dealing with the loss of his friend and Fast and Furious co-star Paul Walker. It was the first time I came back to dealing with human beings after dealing with death, so playing a character who celebrates life the way Groot does was very nice. Chris Pratt apparently stole his Star-Lord costume from the set for the sole purpose of having it available so he could show up in costume to visit sick children in the hospital. Stan Lee was originally slated to cameo in the collector's collection on Nowhere, in which he would have flipped off Groot from within his display case. Possibly a reference to the fact that Groot is the only member of the team that Lee had any hand in creating. The scene was cut because Lee was unavailable at the time and couldn't be reached for filming, as well as Disney executives not being thrilled about that cameo. The soundtrack album, Guardians of the Galaxy Awesome Mix Volume 1, reached number one on the U.S. Billboard 200 chart, the first film soundtrack ever to do so without any original music. It was also nominated for the 2015 Grammy Award for Best Soundtrack. The sale of Blue Suede's Hooked on a Feeling shot up by 700% after the release of the film's first trailer, which prominently featured the song. James Gunn has confirmed via Twitter that Peter Quill's ship in the film is named the Milano after actress Alyssa Milano who was Peter Quill's childhood crush. In the closing credit, it says, no raccoons or tree creatures were harmed during the making of this film. And Guardians of the Galaxy is included among the 1001 movies you must see before you die, edited by Steven Schneider. 
next time on the Bank of Marquis Movies Podcast. Now listen, everybody. We are experiencing some kind of disaster. No, it's the end of days. Oh, my God. Something in the mist! Shut the doors! Shut the doors! I don't know whether it's man-made or natural, but I do know that it's definitely not supernatural. What sound? I don't know. Like something was like pressing against the door. But the only way we're gonna help ourselves is to seek rescue. We're going out. Tie this around your waist. Or four. Well, let us know you got at least 300 feet. There's nothing out there. Nothing in the mist. Nothing wrong. Then I guess the chuck would be on me. to take sides, the saved and the damned. Read the good book, it calls for blood. Think something got in? Guys, I hear something. Ah! Don't you know the truth? We are being punished. You traitor. Ah! Who knows how far this mist has spread? It could be the whole world, for all we know. It wouldn't make us any less dead. Daddy, don't go. If something happens, cut and run. You can't go out. I won't allow it. Won't allow it? It was them! Brung down the final wrath upon us! We want the poor! That's what brung down the wrath of God! That's what's coming up next on the Think of Marquis Movie Podcast. If you'd like to reach out to us, email us at bankofmarquis at gmail.com. That's B-A-N-K-O-F-M-A-R-Q-U-I-S at gmail.com. Check out the website, www.bankofmarquis.com. And until next time... I'm watching you, Wazowski. Always watching. <laughs>